parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group that went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned for him, returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So we continue our journey today with uh, the study of Jesus' life. So, you know, this was something we started way back in November, and, and I promised you it would be a months-long journey as we really get to know Jesus. And at this point in our journey, we want to take a look at his childhood, which is pretty difficult considering Scripture doesn't give us a great deal of help with that. But there are things that we know. We heard last week, for example, that the Magi came and found the baby in a house in Bethlehem. And so we know that Bethlehem was their home, at least for a little while, in the beginning of Jesus' life, perhaps as long as two years. Now, what we learn from that is pretty cryptic, but it seems to indicate to us that Joseph had relatives there after all. That's why they came for the uh, census to Bethlehem. And it's possible that they stayed there with relatives in a spare room or in a, a vacant house. Who knows? But it may have even taken that long for the uh, uh, census and the tax taking to be done. We, we can't say for sure. But it seems pretty confident, we seem pretty confident in knowing that there was a house there in Bethlehem for a time where Jesus lived with his mother Mary and his earthly father Joseph. Now, Joseph was told in a dream that he needed to take his family and get out of town because there were people with designs on the destruction of the baby Jesus. And so Joseph took his family to Egypt which was prophesied, by the way, but Joseph went to Egypt with his family, no doubt funded entirely by the resources that were provided for them by the Magi, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it, because a little family with not a great deal of, of uh, resources is suddenly able to make this trip to Egypt where they can stay for as long as it takes to wait out the terrors that Herod the Great was going to impose upon the land because after the Magi left town, after Joseph and Mary and Jesus left town, King Herod the Great, as he liked to be known, had all the little boys two years old and younger in Bethlehem executed. 
So this is where we get the idea that maybe they had lived there as long as two years. And if they lived in Bethlehem for two years, it might be because it was just a little easier in Bethlehem than it might have been in Nazareth, what with that whole scandalous pregnancy and everything. Again, we can only guess. But what's fun here is thinking outside the box and trying to look beyond, not the scripture, but simply the letting our imaginations bring these characters to life for us. So after Herod died, and by the way, Herod died a horrible death. It's recorded that he had a wasting disease that ate the skin off of his body, and he had boils and all sorts of terrible things. And, and on top of that, he was, he was fat and overweight. All of this is recorded for history. And he was paranoid and he was an ugly character. Even within a month or so of his death, he killed his own son. I guess he didn't want him to succeed him. This was a rotten character. An evil genius, though, because if you go over there, you'll see all sorts of things that he designed and built that are still there to this day. So Herod was a strange character. But after his passing, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again in a dream and said, Rise and take your child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And so after that, Joseph took his family back to Israel and back to Nazareth, it would seem. We don't really know how long they lived in Egypt, but at least until Jesus was 12, it seems pretty likely that it was sooner rather than later. So for several years at least, developmental years, Jesus grew up in an area near Cairo, or at least that's what legend tells us. Now, I don't know if you remember the Osmonds from the 70s, but you know uh, Donnie and Marie had a song called A Little Bit Country, A Little Bit Rock and Roll, right? I don't know anything else about the song except its title, but I like it as a description of Jesus because I think Jesus became a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. I really do. I think he was, I think he was really given a cosmopolitan growing up, that he experienced everything that goes with country living and a whole lot that goes with city living and everything in between. He met people of many cultures from all over the known world in those days, and I think that it must have been a really fascinating time to grow up. And what we know is that they lived in Egypt for a while. Tradition says that it was in Abu Serga, which is a suburb, in a suburb outside of Cairo, and probably some sort of a Jewish neighborhood because the Jews were pretty populous in Egypt at the time. And so they would have naturally stayed with people that they could go to synagogue with and so forth. But eventually they did come back to Nazareth. And in Nazareth, they would have found themselves just five or six miles to the south of the capital city of Galilee, Sepphoris. And Sepphoris was a really going concern in the days when Joseph and Mary and Jesus and others who were coming along as their little family grew were living there. In fact, Sepphoris had been a really going concern until a little rebellion arose after some Jews decided that they wanted to drive the Romans out. And of course, the Romans put down the rebellion and sold those Jews into slavery, which left 
uh, an employment opportunity for all of the people in the villages outside of Sepphoris, including Nazareth. And so it's safe to assume that Jesus and his dad had plenty of work as carpenters in Sepphoris, repairing the damage that was done in the rebellion and then just providing for the needs of a cosmopolitan city with a lot of fairly well-to-do people. So again, I'm just trying to paint a picture here of the child Jesus and his developmental years and the kinds of things he would have seen and the things he would have known. Multiple languages would have been spoken in those days and he would have encountered all sorts of people. He probably even encountered some people in Sephoris who just hated him for being a Jew because the whole city had suffered from a rebellion of Jews just a few years earlier. So Jesus spending a lot of time with his dad got a hands-on education in the things that every Jewish boy ought to know. And there's evidence all over the Bible, uh, the New Testament in particular, that that Jewish boys were raised in a particular way. They were given synagogue school, so to speak, a rabbinical school. And this was required by the, the uh, authorities after the diaspora. So back when, when the uh, people had been taken away to Babylon and so forth, and when Jerusalem had kept been captured 500 or so years before Jesus, they realized that if they wanted to keep the religion alive, they had to instruct these kids wherever they were. And so it became standard for a small town like Nazareth to have some sort of Hebrew school. And Jesus would have attended that. And of course, his father would have attended to a lot of his teaching, partly by example and with his words. So even though the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph, we can see the evidence. You know, we understand that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's got certain qualities that are given by way of the Spirit and all of that. But at the same time, he's fully human and no doubt absorbed all sorts of things in his human childhood. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But for now, just understand that he was probably given a great deal of instruction by his father. And if you want to know how good a father Joseph was, well, look to Jesus' brother James, for example. He was certainly pious and certainly someone who demonstrated a very good upbringing. And then there is the rabbinical school where he was taught all of the tenets of the faith. So this would seem to be the childhood that Jesus had. And we don't know, like I said, exactly how many years he spent in Egypt or how many years it was before he went to the temple at age 12. But the reading you just heard tells you that he was raised in the rites and the practices of his faith. The reading told us, if you listen carefully, that they made a regular habit of going to the Passover celebration, but they had met certain specific requirements on this occasion so that Jesus was in the temple. And what this is alluding to, it would have been perfectly logical for a Jewish person reading this story, is that Jesus probably had his bar mitzvah on that particular occasion. Bar mitzvah is the sort of rite of passage for boys in Judaism where they are considered young men now in the family of faith. 
Some of you are going through my confirmation class with me right now with your mentors and everything. And in effect, when we do confirmation, we're doing something like bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, which is the girl's version. And we, we will celebrate that you're ready to be an adult in the faith. And so Jesus, having been in Jerusalem at the time of being allowed to be viewed as an adult in the congregation, this would also have made it possible for him to do the very thing that he was doing, which was to be in the temple courts talking with the elders of the faith. My hunch is Jesus really wanted to. He'd probably been waiting a long time for this permission to get in there and start picking their brains and talking with them. So he ends up having stayed way longer than he thought he did. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, the only thing that saved me from a lot more trouble than I got into, and there was plenty of that, was the local fire department siren that went off every night at six o'clock faithfully so that I knew it was time to go home. If I hadn't heard that siren blow, I probably would have been in a lot more trouble. You know how it is when you're having fun doing what you love. And Jesus was having fun, I'm sure, doing what he loves. But let's talk about this for a minute. Do you think Jesus was an ordinary kid? You think maybe he was occasionally rotten to his parents? Do you think maybe he had any moments in his childhood when he was a little bit rambunctious and didn't want to go to bed? You know, I think so. I'll tell you two reasons that come to mind immediately why I think he was a pretty ordinary kid in certain ways. First, our story that we read today tells us so. Did you happen to hear the part where it said that they found him, they chewed him out, and then he was obedient? Did you hear that? Now, I don't know about your house, but in my house, that sounds like he got himself into deep trouble and he changed his ways because it says he was more obedient after that. Now, please don't think I'm trying to ruin your image of Jesus here. I'm just having fun with the story. You know, let's face it. If you're Joseph and you've tried to raise your kid in faith and, and you know, they know that they've been divinely gifted with this privilege of raising Jesus. They know that he's the son of God. They, they know all of this, but he's a kid. And the reason I know he's a kid is because the parents reacted just like any parent would under the same circumstances. Is there any other parent? You know, I was thinking about this this morning, actually, after the service. I was thinking, you know, if some kid showed up here at the church, one of the kids of the church showed up, the first question I'd ask him is, is do your parents know you're here? <laughs> right? If they wanted to hang out at the church because they just really love church and they want to pick Pastor Dan's brain for a few hours about scripture or something, I'd think that was wonderful, but I'd probably ask them, does your mother know you're here? <laughs> we need to clear that up right now. <laughs> and so I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, Jesus, he lost track of time, three days worth. That's kind of amazing. Three days worth. And then when his parents get to him, they do what every parent would do. They say, what are you thinking? I can hear Joseph saying, your mother's cried for three days. What's wrong with you, boy? You know that's what he'd say. Now, his name, as it would have been pronounced in their language, is Yeshua. They would have called him Yeshua. 
we've kind of speculated when, when Courtney did her version of Mary a few weeks back, why, you know, they probably called him Yeshi. And somehow I can just hear mom exclaiming, Yeshi, you know, she's so glad to see him. And then she says, Yeshi, <laughs> right? Because it's both. Dad says, son, I'm kind of proud of you. You really showed those old rabbis what you're made of. Boy, I'm really proud of you. And then as soon as they walk out of the temple, swat, right on the butt. Don't you know? Because that's what dads do. That's what they do. Don't you ever do that to us again. You know that's how the conversation went down. Does it ruin your image of Jesus, though? I hope not. This was a son of God, but a child given to human beings to be cared for and raised. The other thing I know from scripture that tells me he probably had a pretty ordinary childhood in certain ways is that he spoke to us through scripture about how we should feel about children and how children really are much more inclined to get what's really important in the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Let the little children have their time with me and frankly if you could approach me or the the Lord God you know in the same way that children do you'd be amazed at how much better it would be for you so I think Jesus is very intimately aware of what children are like and what children do and my point really is to say that if Jesus was an ordinary child then he would have done what ordinary children do. The unique thing about him was is that he never sinned against God. And to be honest with you, I don't know how any of us sinners can really completely comprehend what it would be like to live as Jesus lived. Because we can't help ourselves. We're always defying God in some way or another. Even if it's in small ways, nevertheless, it's sin. And which is, this is exactly why Jesus saves us. Because we can't save ourselves. Because we can't seem to resist this urge to disregard God or disrespect God. But Jesus did. And so the only thing we can assume is that somehow in his ordinary life, his ordinary childhood, he didn't disrespect God the Father or disconnect in some way from God the Father. I don't know how to explain what that would be like. I don't know what kind of a child that would make him, but I think there's an awful lot of things children do that aren't so bad, really. They're just made that way by our reactions. Ever seen a toddler walk around your house, or God forbid, your parents' or your grandparents' house, right? And they're looking at all the cool things, and then they pick up something really fragile, and immediately somebody says, put that down. Well, the poor kid has a heart attack, and then from then on, they're traumatized because they assume, they assume that they've just done something wrong. Think about it. What if kids just explore their environment and touch things and taste things and see things? What if, what if kids just say what they think and look at everything with a whole new sort of exploratory mindset. I'm just learning how to be a human. What if that's all that kids really do? And we make them a nervous wreck because we turn everything into something more dramatic. And please don't, I hope I'm not saying something I don't mean to say, my point really is to say that Jesus probably did a lot of things that we would think were sinful, so he couldn't have done that. 
But my argument would be that he probably did a lot of things that aren't sinful at all, and maybe that means that a lot of the children and young people in your life are doing things that aren't so sinful, really, so give them a break. Jesus did. Finally, I want to just say that if this story is in the Bible for any particular reason, I'm, I'm a little bit hard-pressed to figure out exactly what it is. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't serve a purpose. It just means it's beyond my ability, I guess, for now. But I do know this, that the Gospel of Luke is credited as a sort of Gospel of Mary, too. And the reason they say that is because there are so many references in the Gospel of Luke to things that were really intimately known by Mary. You know, it says in the passage you just read that she kept all this in her heart. Now, why would the author say that? Probably because there was a relationship between the author and Mary. And this was Mary saying, this is a story I'll never forget. When he was 12, we went to the temple. And then she tells this story. And the author includes it in it because maybe it's there to tell us that he was, without a doubt, the most extraordinary human being that ever lived and truly God in the flesh and yet he was completely ordinary too. He thoughtlessly forgot about his commitment to his parents and they suffered as a result of it. That's what the story is telling us on one level. On another level it's telling us that at 12 years old he didn't have any trouble at all holding his own with the rabbinical authorities. He knew his stuff. I'm not sure what else to grab out of that story, but I hope that if you get nothing else out of today's message, that it helps you to really understand this Jesus who saves you and knows you and loves you deeply. There's not much about you that he doesn't get. I'm guessing he probably gets it all. He understands who you are, where you come from. He understands how you grew up. He understands it all. And he simply saves you anyway. And if he is anything, Jesus is the prototype of what kind of human being we would all like to have been if we'd had the ability to live in a world without sin. Let us pray. Thanks, God, for your word. Please burn upon our hearts those things that come directly from you. And Lord, I just ask that you help us to be more forgiving of ourselves and each other, especially when we're just doing what kids do. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the way. Thank you for your earthly parents and their amazing courage. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.